As you and I listen to Uncle Monty tell the three Baudelaire orphans that no harm will ever come to them in the reptile room, we should be experiencing the strange feeling that accompanies the arrival of dramatic irony. For no matter how safe and happy the three children felt, no matter how comforting Uncle Monty's words were, you and I know that soon Uncle Monty will be dead and the Baudelaire's will be miserable once again. Lemony Snicket, A Series of Unfortunate Events. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. One of the, I think, most delicate ways that you can introduce foreshadowing into your work is through prophecies or flashes forward. We say delicate because it's so easy to do this wrong. There are so many people who say this is the prophecy of exactly what will happen and then that gets fulfilled. Or this particular bit of events is how the plot twist falls out, so it's not interesting anymore. Using prophecies is among the more overt ways to foreshadow. This is definitely one of those times where, as we talked about early on in this month, the journey is more important than the destination. You are going to give them a foreshadow, a hint at the destination, but the journey is the interesting part, the weird place that gets us there, the unexpected route. I'm going to do a weird callback right now to the show That's So Raven. And this was one of those times where you'd have a lot of those prophecies. And it is always what she did that caused that horrible thing to occur. So it is that, okay, we know what's going to happen, but how it happens is the twist. So when you're writing something like our opener, where the characters or the narrator in this case are telling the reader outright, bad things are about to happen. This is an opportunity for you to get the reader to lean forward, to be more engaged. If you do it wrong, they get less engaged because there are no stakes. They know how it's going to fall out. In the case of our opener, we know that Monty will die and the kids are going to be sad once again. We don't know how. We don't know what exactly happens to get there. We know because of the title of the series that something bad's going to happen anyway. So stating that isn't spoiling anything for the readers. Now let's get into how to go about this. I think one of the most common ways is that a character in this story provides a prophecy of some kind. So you'll have something like Trelawney in the Harry Potter series where she gives that prophecy of the return of the servant of Voldemort and it turns out to be Wormtail and not serious like everyone else had expected. In Romeo and Juliet, Juliet has this image in her mind of Romeo dead in a tomb. Monkey's paw, he sees the image of a monkey in the flames. There are these moments where the characters have this vision, this prophecy, and either by trying to actively avoid the prophecy, they fulfill it, or they ignore the warnings and go down the street of doom anyway. When you do have a character that is providing a prophecy, you usually want it to be obfuscated in some kind of way. It isn't clear, it doesn't make sense until that prophecy has been fulfilled. If the prophecy is just a glimpse into the future or just something ominous, we know something bad is about to happen and there's nothing we can do to stop it. 
in the case of the TV show Flash Forward. Everyone all around the world saw six months in the future for two and a half minutes of what their life was like. So everyone had a different vision of the same time. How the characters get there and what they do to either avoid it or fulfill it is how you approach a lot of the spec fic with anything that deals with weird timelines and time travel. Because a lot of those same rules apply of is it self-fulfilling, is it inevitable, or can it be changed? You can also have a prophecy that is simply more vague. It is a tea leaf reading. It is seeing vague images in a crystal ball, you know, that kind of mysticism, fortune-telling sort of idea where you don't see something solid, something specific, but this black dog represents something bad is going to happen. And we will talk more about how to insert that artfully in your story next episode. But the key that we want to bring up in this one is that there is a separation between the message and the messenger. Trelawney, when she had her prophecy, it was very different than when she's reading tea leaves in the classroom. And then you have Ron, who is uncannily accurate when he is making joking readings of his tea leaves. He can still be a mystic type character, even if he doesn't realize it. If you are conveying the prophecy through a point of view character who is actively in the scene at the time, jokes are a great way to do that. Sometimes you will have a instance where a character is giving a prophecy about the main character, but the main character hasn't been born yet. Very Harry Potter, though we didn't find out about that prophecy for a while. If you do have it self-contained in one book, usually the reveal of this prophecy about a character that does not yet exist needs to happen in a prologue moment. Separating the prophecy from the prophesied chosen one encourages struggle with your hero. They can't just go to the prophet and go to the Oracle of Delphi and go, hey, what did you mean when you said that this would happen? Can you explain this to me further and then get easy answers? Often your hero will hear of the prophecy through their mentor character simply because of the age gap, but Trelawney is brought into Harry's life because of Dumbledore. A fun way to incorporate this kind of prophecy where it doesn't actually involve a character giving the prophecy, it just exists within the world or we don't meet the character that gives it, is to make it the epigraph. I have seen this in a couple of different books as examples, and it is this fun thing that people may not pay attention to, so you will want to reference it in the course of the story as well. Having it as an epigraph can make it feel real, like it is something that was told. And this, I think, is more effective if you have a story set in our world with magical elements. A lot of how the epigraphs connect to the story that's told throughout the rest of the chapter can be invested in that plot twist. So if it turns out that this prophecy that we're reading in the beginning of everything is actually something that happened after and someone's writing the historical events of the book, then that can be an interesting twist for your reader. But you're still foreshadowing what's happening for your characters with this little moment of someone in the world who is not connected to the storyline telling what's about to happen. 
Now, what if it is modern day and you don't really have magic involved in your world? You can still have this sort of foreshadowing, even if it's not tied magically. This is a bit of an antiquated example, but in Romeo and Juliet, Juliet has a vision. It can even be something as simple as an instinct, that something bad is going to happen. Another fun way for a character to deliver a prophecy is in the form of a joke that we as the readers see as a joke that maybe the characters don't. I want to say it was the Vin Diesel movie Triple X. I'm not 100% certain, but the hero tells one of the bad guy minions when he's undercover, hey, that cigarette's going to kill you one day. The characters are joking because of the hazards of tobacco. But we as the viewers, knowing this is a story, when we see the little flame at the end of the cigarette that's in his mouth at nighttime, highlighting where this guy is, then we can shoot the cigarette butt and we know we've got a headshot. That cigarette killed him. (laughs) It's a weird, fun kind of foreshadowing that we as the audience understand that the characters don't necessarily in the moment. And I think that is an important distinction when you have a character that is doing this kind of prophecy foreshadowing. Unless it is specifically designated as this person has a prophecy, most of the time characters don't actually know that they are providing foreshadowing. The narrators know. And that brings us to our other section of how to have a prophecy. Most of the time, you're going to see a character delivering a prophecy to another character. Sometimes that character delivering the prophecy isn't named if it was 300 years before now, but it's a person in the world delivering a prophecy to a person in the world. The other prophecy slash flash forward type is the narrator telling the reader. A little bit of a fourth wall break, or the narrator sometimes even telling themselves In the case of the fall of the House of Usher, the narrator is going up to the house and he says, if I had been looking around more, I would have noticed that the house has a crack from the top to the foundations of this building. Something ominous was happening and I wasn't paying attention. This kind of foreshadowing is vastly more useful if it is an omniscient narrator, like Lemony Snicket, where he knows the whole story, he's seen the end of it, And he is able to leave hints and details throughout the way to the reader that these things are coming. Be prepared for misery. If you're interested in learning more about this particular breaking the fourth wall and communicating with the reader directly or with themselves, then you can look up our episodes on breaking the fourth wall and the omniscient narrator. And you can also find on TV Tropes the foregone conclusion has a great list of examples and how all of this plays out in a really successful way. So use that keyword, foregone conclusion, and you'll find it. We don't have time to talk about all of it today, but it's a great type of tool to foreshadow what's happening in a tasteful way without annoying your readers. As we said at the beginning, this is a very useful tool for foreshadowing if done correctly. If you take care to take your time on it, craft it out, and write selfishly. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 